God's will in my dreams. We have a beautiful story today in 2 Samuel about David for this morning, the second Sunday in Lent. As we journey to the cross and discover God's promises that were given in the Old Testament, we find King David and Nathan. King David is filled with God's Spirit. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit is poured out differently than in the New Testament, when God's Spirit was poured out at Pentecost on all who believed. But just like you and I, who have God's Holy Spirit, so David had God's Spirit as well, just in a different way. We also had the same faith. David is David's faith in the promise of God, and our faith in the promise that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And as a general rule, when you have been anointed with God's Holy Spirit, you typically do what is in front of you, whatever you want to do, to serve God. Having God's Spirit empowers you and frees you to do whatever is before you for the Lord. Look how this is done in the Old Testament with Samuel and Saul. In 1 Samuel 10, verses 6 through 8, we're told that this is an example about this freedom in God's Spirit. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them, meaning with the other prophets. You will be changed into a different person. When these signs have taken place, do whatever you Whatever your hand finds to do, for the Lord will be with you, Saul. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed his inmost person. All these signs happened on that very day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a company of prophets was coming out to meet him. Then the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul, and he prophesied among them. When everyone who had known him previously saw him prophesying with the prophets, the people asked one another, What on earth has happened to son of Kish, meaning Saul? Does even Saul belong to the prophets? You see, God changed his inmost person. Literally in the Hebrew, it means God gave him another heart, a different heart, a new heart. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It renews the heart. It gives the new heart, the heart of Christ, to be able to please and to serve God in whatever way, in whatever form you want. So our story begins really with King David in 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 through 3. The king settled, it says, the king settled into his palace, for the Lord gave him relief from all his enemies on all sides. So the king said to Nathan, the prophet, Look, I am living in a palace made from cedar, while the ark of God sits in the middle of a tent. Nathan replied to the king, You should go and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. So in 2 Samuel 7, we find King David filled with God's spirit, ready and willing to do something for God. It is from a faith-filled heart that has been changed that dreams are made. He was saved from all of his enemies on all sides. And he reflects on doing something for the Lord. The dreams that David have had could not come by way of his natural self without the Holy Spirit. And so David lays his plans. I have a great house. You should have a house as great as mine. Yes, you're getting a house. Don't want to hear anything more about it. You're getting a house.
Nathan says, with God's spirit, you can do anything you want. Anything you do will turn out well. So David lays great plans, doing what is in front of him. What he believes the Lord wants and desires will please him. After all, why should the Lord live in a tent? He should live in a palace. He is filled with God's spirit and wants what's best for God. And that changes everything. It changed his heart, his inmost person. It is no different with you and me. Remember in Romans 6, Paul talks about our baptism, being baptized with Christ, being buried with him. Paul's emphasis on the fact that I am no longer a slave to sin, dominated by what I want, what I feel is right. If I am a slave to sin, I do Sid's bidding. My created, selfish nature. And I do not do the Lord's bidding, and I do not want to please him. Indeed, I can't when I'm a slave to sin because I'm a slave to myself. Being enslaved to sin is not merely the actions that I do, but it is what I was born in, as King David says in Psalm 51. In sin did my mother conceive me. There is no choice when you're enslaved to sin. A slave has no choice. I not only sin, but I am a sinner from birth. As a slave to sin, I know the righteousness and holiness of God only as it exists and is revealed in his law, the commandments, and my conscience, knowing that there is a God, a something far above me, and that I'm a sinner. So where does this heart change come from? How did it come for David as well? It must come from God's initiative. If I'm a slave to sin and cannot obey God and cannot please God, then a change of heart cannot come from inside me. It has to come from out. And that's the work of God. And that initiative was through the promise given to King David that God would be with him always. For us, we see it in the fulfillment of that promise in God's Son, Jesus Christ in whom, under whom I am subsumed, with whom I am now joined, by whom I am made a child of God in baptism. So Paul's analogy, what happens in baptism, is to be buried. We're buried with Christ. The old man who was or is enslaved to sin is dead, and the new man through Christ is alive. The new man with a new heart, no longer bound to sin. No longer a slave to sin, but as Paul puts it, a slave to righteousness. As the righteousness of God's mercy is revealed in Christ, so we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are made righteous of God in Christ. We are given a new heart. Meaning because of him and under him. It's a funny term, slave of righteousness. If by slave we understand no freedom, on the one hand, talking about slave to sin, meaning that we can do nothing but sin. So as Paul says, in Christ we are slaves to righteousness, meaning that God has changed our heart like David. We have a new nature in Christ which is free from sin and its stronghold on us. We are a slave to righteousness, meaning that if by nature we were slaves to sin, by our new nature... We are slaves to righteousness. We cannot do anything but live as forgiven people. And that produces that 
heart and that desire to serve God in whatever way we want, and our plans all go for his glory. There is no law that governs that. There is no law that governs us and keeps us under condemnation and conviction. Therefore, there is no fear. Rather, we are free to be and live as righteous children of God, guided by the Holy Spirit. And this is what David is experiencing as well. David was delivered from all his enemies and now wants to serve the Lord, and he lays his plans. And he is free to do so because he has God's Spirit. Now, I cannot imagine the many ways that you have planned to serve the Lord. I have not experienced with you the many ways that this congregation has laid plans to serve the Lord. I can only speak of myself. And so I will tell my story as I have lived it so far in my life. Like King David, we are free to dream and dream big for the Lord. And so do I. I always wanted to be a missionary from little on, but always I wanted music as well. So I studied both. I tried to go to Australia to go to the seminary and work in the outback, and that kind of fell through. The government in Australia didn't accept me as a student. I was merely 20 years old and trying to fill out student immigration papers on my own. I had no income. The seminary accepted me, but it didn't work out. Well, pursuing that dream, I decided to go to Bible school because no seminary had a mission study program. So I went to a Lutheran Bible school and studied missions. Then I decided to go to the seminary in St. Louis and did everything that I could for mission work. All my papers were geared and written on mission topics, on Christ and other cultures. I did everything I could. And so I took a vicarage in Guatemala in my third year of seminary. There were two that were offered by the Board for Mission Services. One was to Guatemala and another was to Venezuela. I was picked to Guatemala. And I'm glad I was, because that's where I met Becky. We then went out as missionaries for 20 years in Panama, Venezuela, and Guatemala again. But we returned 20 years later by invitation of the seminary through the mission board to teach missions and study ethnomusicology. And this was great. This is what I had dreamed of, to be able to study musicology and the Ph.D. level at Indiana University. I was teaching pastors from all over the world to go back to their countries and develop them not as missions, but as their national churches. I was teaching courses on ethnographic research. I was teaching courses in New Testament contextualization across cultures. It was great. And I had a free ride because the Indiana University called the seminary and said, are there any Lutheran pastors who are going to make use of this scholarship fund that someone set up here? No one has done it so far in the last, I think it was 25 or 30 years. So I had a free ride. Things just fell into place. Things were working out. I could see it. I was going to teach missions and continue teaching foreign pastors and missions and preparing missionaries. But my mission board dumps me. So I'm a music minister, and they dumped me because there were cuts in the mission board. Some 28 missionaries in 2004, and some 20 missionaries back in 1999. So I became a music minister for three years. I tried to start a 501c3. 
with, called the Lutheran Institute for the Study of Faith and Culture, which was determined to help countries where we had gone into mission to break free from being mission congregations or mission national churches and help them get out of their mission standing status. But like King David, I followed what was in front of me. I followed where my heart was leading me to serve the Lord. In each of these stages, stages, my goal in serving the Lord in this way, in foreign missions and music, moved forward. The big temple like David was building was being built. Being guided by faith and by the power of God's Spirit, being in Christ, we follow no law but the leading of the Spirit to love our neighbor as ourselves. But that does not mean that God always follows our plans and dreams. But that does not mean that we have sinned in some way either. Nor does it mean that we have sinned in some way when our dreams do not turn out as we had planned. When through the years Grace Lutheran has planned how they will reach others through projects, through mailings, through donations, through involvement in Pisces, etc., they have done this with a new heart for the Lord. They have done what was in front of them. Speaking specifically of grace, our dreams and plans, projects and efforts to spread God's word and add to his kingdom and hopefully to this congregation, as long as we preach Christ, serve others in his name, confess him boldly in our actions and words, we can dream big. If things do not turn out the way we had planned, it does not mean that we are doing something wrong or that it is sinful or that it is not what God wanted. Let's continue with 2 Samuel verses 4 through 7 now in chapter 7. It says, That night the Lord's message came to Nathan, Go tell my servant Nathan, This is what the Lord has said. Do you really intend to build a house for me to live in? I have not lived in a house from the the time I brought the Israelites up from Egypt to the present day. Instead, I was traveling with them and living in a tent. Wherever I moved among all the Israelites, I did not say to any of their leaders whom I appointed to care for my people Israel, Why have you not built me a house made from cedar? So after after Nathan tells David to do whatever is in front of him, David builds the Lord's temple and is pleased. Then the Lord contradicts Nathan. So was Nathan wrong to cite the general rule about doing what your hand finds to do if God is with you? Was David wrong to desire to build a temple to honor God? He wasn't wrong, but God had a different plan. No matter what we do and everything that we do is still done within God's will. We pray thy will be done, no matter what we do and no matter how long we do it. We put even our best intentions underneath God's will and God's action. It's not so much that we are or were doing the wrong thing or a sin-filled thing as much as it is like a sheep being prodded along a path with the shepherd knowing what is best as the sheep grazes. We can, however, become filled with our own selves and our plans, thinking that we're great in doing so. But that's another story. And so concerning my life, I assumed that my dream would materialize in the direction I was going. I assumed I was going to be teaching future missionaries and analyzing missions and helping countries to develop on their own. 
Everything that I was studying in music and folklore to aid in the preparation for the future and leading God's kingdom, doing research in areas of culture and faith, I was doing it because my heart led me to serve God in that way. And I believe and believed it was his will. It's what he wanted. And grace did the same thing. And grace does the same thing. But our best laid plans for serving the Lord can be a hindrance to our faith. What? How can they possibly hinder our faith? The hindrance to our faith comes when we believe our plans and goals, when we believe in our plans and goals over the direction of the Lord. The hindrance is losing sight of the promise of the overall and all-encompassing goal and direction of God and focusing on my own narrow myopic dream. Not that our dream to serve is or was bad or wrong, but we don't see the whole picture, and God does. Let's continue. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 through 16. Here's what follows. So now say to this, my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has said. I took you from the pasture and from your work as a shepherd to make you leader of my people Israel. I was with you wherever you went, and I defeated all your enemies before you. Now I will make you as famous as the great men of the earth. I will establish a place for my people, Israel, and settle them there. They will live there and not be disturbed anymore. Violent men will not oppress them again, as they did in the beginning and during the time when I appointed judges to lead my people, Israel. Instead, I will give you relief from all your enemies, The Lord declares to you that he himself will build a dynastic dynastic house for you. When the time comes for you to die, I will raise up your descendant, one of your own sons, to succeed you, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name, and I will make his dynasty permanent. I will become his father, and he will become my son. When he sins, I will correct him with the rod of men and with wounds inflicted by human beings. But my loyal love will not be removed from him as I removed it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will stand before me permanently. Your dynasty will be permanent. The Lord has vetoed David's plan. David was going to build a dynasty in a temple and a house for the Lord. But the Lord was going to build it for David. The Lord vetoes David's plan only to replace it with a plan that is much bigger and much more wonderful than David could ever have imagined. God's plan, much greater than David's, was the salvation of the whole world through David's house, through David's line, not through the temple David was making, not through the temple of sacrifice, for the Lord, but the sacrifice for David from the Lord. God's intention for me was to do something I never had a mind to do, be a parish pastor. It was something far from what I had ever imagined at this point in my life. It was and is an area I am completely unfamiliar with and constantly learning in. God's intention through grace is not merely to stay alive or to fill the pews of this congregation, 
but to bring salvation to the world around us. We're not trying to build a congregation for the Lord. The Lord is going to use this congregation to build his kingdom. Much the same way David was going to build a house for the Lord, but the Lord promises to build the house for David. It's to bring salvation to the world around us that all people with whom we have a relationship know the greatness of God, not through the greatness of our temple and our church and our congregational fellowship, but that these are mere blessings that lead us to to people who really need to hear about him. Him who can change the hearts of sinful mankind. Him who has built a temple and a house for us. The Lord affirms his own action in the story of David and commits himself to continuing that action, even after David is dead. This promise of a royal son of David sitting on an eternal throne is fulfilled in Jesus. The Lord affirms his own action in my story and in Grace's story as we live out what God gave us in Jesus the son of David, born in Bethlehem and enthroned on a cross, risen and reigning at God's right hand, coming again in glory to bring God's kingdom on earth as on as in heaven. The same promise and goal and plan for David, God continues through you and me. It is a part of my story. It's part of your story. That is millennia old. When God God calls us to let go of our expectations or plans for the future, eyes of faith can look for the ongoing presence and promise of Jesus at work in our lives. I had to let go of the plan of service I was on. I continue to let go daily. The service I am doing now is not only my dream, but now fits into a greater picture of God's overall dream for his kingdom. My dream is subsumed subsumed, and lived under and now a part of God's dream. That includes grace. Grace, let go of your own expectations or plans for the future to merely fill this congregation. It is a part of a bigger dream fulfilled by God for the whole world. Through prayer and through the study of his word, through our fellowship and sharing, we seek God's leading. We let go of our expectations and place them in God's hands. It is not that there is one thing, a secret thing, or an invisible intention that God has and we have to find it like searching in a dark room. We just ask that the Lord open our eyes to the opportunities open our hearts to understand and seek the consolation and uplifting of the lost and open our mouths that we might have the words to share the greatness of God in our lives. What may not have worked in the past may have been merely intentions that were designed to make grace great again, sort of as a political campaign promise. When in reality, we want to make God great in the lives of all people again, that all may see his greatness and mercy through grace's members. The final part of 2 Samuel 7, 17 to 21 says, Nathan told David all these words that were revealed to him. King David went in, sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you should have brought me to this point? And you didn't stop there, O Lord God. You have also spoken about the future of your servant's family. 
Is this your usual way of dealing with men, O sovereign Lord? What more can David say to you? You have given your servant special recognition, O sovereign Lord. For the sake of your promise and according to your purpose, you have done this great thing in order to reveal it to your servant. David's response is not anger at having his plans thwarted. David does not pout about not getting his way. David lets go of his plans for the future and his expectations and is therefore able to receive in faith the promise that God wants to give. David gives up the temple and the house for the Lord that he built out of cedar, something that he can see, in exchange for the house that he cannot see yet. The kingdom and salvation that will never end the continuance of his line until the coming of the promised Savior. That's what faith is. Seeing God's dream that has not materialized yet, but knowing that God is in control. David admits his dependence on God and trusts in God's promises. In other words, David takes a risk. And that risk is faith in what is not seen, but what God has promised. He's let go of what is his, his best thought out plans. He lays them before the Lord. Only by letting go of what he may have, though was his doing, his dreams, he has depended on the Lord's promise and the realization of the eternal dream of eternal life for all. To praise God and give thanks in the midst of a directional change, a dream change, is not easy. There are questions that go unanswered for the moment. But instead of my dreams being a hindrance to my faith, it has expanded and brought me to trust in God all the more to see his purpose and his dream in the context of my life. Grace Lutheran, you can lament dreams that have not been met. Or you can look at the blessings which God has given you and the opportunities that are set before you in a new way, different ways, that were unplanned for yet that have not been planned yet as God carries out his dream, his promise, through your changed hearts. One verse that comes to mind in not allowing our plans to be a hindrance to our faith comes from the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 14, where Esther, who married into royalty, is faced with saving her Jewish people from death, but at the risk of losing her own life, by appearing before the king to appeal his mercy. Mordecai says to her, Don't imagine that because you are part of the king's household, you will be the one Jew who will escape. If you keep quiet at this time, liberation and protection for the Jews will appear from another source, while you and your father's household perish. It may be very well, it may very well be that you have been given your status for such a time as this. I took this call to Grace Lutheran Church because I truly believe that although my dreams and plans were all pointing in a different direction, that God has placed me here for such a time as this. This is where his plan and promise was needed. This is where he has chosen the people in Grace to depend on him, because now is the time that Grace has placed you here for such a time as this. God has placed us all here for such a time as this. He has called us all here in the vastness of his promise 
for such a time as this, that we remain dependent on him to rejoice in his faithfulness to complete his promise in, with, and through how he chooses to act and dream for him, to reach all people through his word and through us. Amen. If you're interested in knowing more about Jesus Christ or about Grace Lutheran Church, please go to www.gracealoneonline.org. You can email us at gracealoneonline at gmail.com.